Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we are biracial unicorns. And the difference between a motel and a hotel is the mindset. I think so. I mean, <laughs> and the letters. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of a big deal. I it's one of those things of just like, oh, I prefer hotel motel. I'm like, as someone who stayed at a hostel, I just prefer a toilet I don't have to share. Mm. I also just like I like a good portmanteau. Portmanteau. What what's the word? It's it's the blending of two words. So like motel oh. comes from motor hotel is a motel. <laughs> just like podcast comes yes. from iPod broadcast mm. podcast. That would be the thing that you're really drawn to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tamika's over here wanting to talk about like hostels and like actual tangible things. And I'm like, but the word, Word. but the word, (laughs) I I was like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be, I literally just said, ladies and gentlemen, and and those who want to be whatever they want to be that I'm like, this is going to be such a good segue into the topic, but no, (laughs) no, I'm going to take it in unexpected places. No, not this unicorn. I don't even know. Like I I'm just literally along for the ride guys. I just, (laughs) I love it. That's true though. Like we, I will say we just got done talking about like words being important. Mm. Yes, that's true. Words are important. So they are. But yeah, I, I agree. I think for me, on any sort of trip, more often than not, I don't actually care where I stay because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not there to hang out at the hotel or the motel, you mm, know? Say it. it. It just depends on what kind of trip. You know, if it, like I said, if it's at a destination, the destination is the hope, not, I just mm. need, I need a bed, a shower, shower toilet, very minimal. But if it is to kind of like sleep and relax, I That's do want true. It, I do want it to be a little plush, a little lush. You know, I might be a little bit of a bum, a little bit of escapism. But I mean, these are all hypothetical since no, <laughs> no, no, one's, no one's going anywhere. No, 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 no. So I just put a mint on my own pillow. Yeah, I think I'm I'm too high strung to like go somewhere to sleep and relax. <laughs> like I think mm. if I'm going to have a sleep and relax thing i'm gonna have a staycation but i say that but on the other side of covid i'd be happy to go somewhere else (laughs) i know just like the smell of someone else's existence some different air some some different different air (laughs) texture of sheet like i didn't realize i'm like apparently i need more sheets you're just Mm. like i'm just so hyper aware of my my sir especially like i said i'm still unpacking very slowly and i'm just like yeah no a different environment the one that i don't have to clean would be great Mm. someday 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 well if you are wondering about hotels (laughs) <laughs> get it girl get it i'm here i'm here yeah, for it yeah yeah if you are someone who wants to research and look up hotels well there's one that has some history that's going to be the hampton house hotel which is going to be the center part integral part of our episode today yes <laughs> that was a lot of work you got it though you I, made I, it through i landed but here we are the unicorns are sneaking snacks back into their jackets because we're at the movie theater in quotation marks we are doing a movie review as part of our february toolkit for one night in miami yes uh-huh. so we had this 
short exchange already, but <laughs> somehow we are just attracted to yes. reviewing movies that started as plays. Girl, when I tell you I watched this for literally five minutes, yes. and I was... <laughs> yes! I was like, um, this is really theatrical. Yes! Yes! I, I, I literally, I because I do this thing when we review movies now, where I just who wrote it basic description and that's it i really want to make sure i tried to have like a very untainted view of the movie but when i tell you i stopped the movie looked it up and i was like we have a type i laughed so hard i had to like come back to the movie a half an hour later i just couldn't i was so tickled pink as they say that we unbeknownst to ourselves picked another movie that was based off of a play yeah yeah I had no idea. <laughs> so, which I would love to get into contrasting the two that we have done a mm. little bit, mm. if, if we have time. Mm. I think we can do that. I will say that I think as far as adaptation from mm-hmm. a play to a movie, that this was done really well. While it still did feel very theatrical and was for the most part, rooted in one location. It was less theatrical, I would say, Mm. than the other one that we watched, which was American Sun. Mm -hmm. I agree. I believe the transition from the theater to the screen was a little bit more fluid. I will say that the change of venue felt very forced in order to break it up. It did feel a little forced. Yeah, I I think it did help for people who didn't know that maybe they wouldn't necessarily feel, but the dialogue, blocking, the interactions... We're still still felt very theatrical, but when we talked about with American Sun of that, that might have been something to keep people from really enjoying it. We talked about that might have been the hindrance mm. of people, but I feel like this one was really drew people in. Yeah, and and I don't think anybody who is not a theater person would feel like there was something off <laughs> about yeah. the movie. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess we just did talk about it. So (laughs) we just couldn't wait. We just yes, we just couldn't wait. (laughs) Let's take a step back. Mm -hmm. So one night in Miami. What is this movie about? Well, it's really exciting. It was just it was recently released December of 2020. Mm -hmm. So it's still kind of out. It's a movie obviously based upon the Kent Powers play and he had a lot to do with the production. It's about these four huge figures doing the 1960s. It's going to go over Cassius Clay before he was Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooks. Four people who were really pinnacle within the civil rights era. I'm not going to say the movement quite yet, but definitely during the era. And there's this fictional account of this night that really happened so the night is real but the account the room where it happened as it were thanks leslie is fictional and so Mm. that's so we kind of go over to the night that they're all kind of hanging out so that's the brief bare bones description of said night yes yes so the four of them were real life friends and this was a real night that had happened and i would say all four are recognizable household names Mm. i would wager but 
clearly, I think for most people, probably more familiar with Malcolm X and, and Cassius Clay. And so I think while all four of the actors had a bit of a task ahead of them, the two actors who played those characters, I think had, and in particular, I would say even Malcolm X in particular. Oh, uh, yeah. That is such a challenge to be able to step into that role and play that role. And I think on the other end, Kemp Powers taking on the voice of these four men um, and writing for them is also a huge, huge challenge. Big shoes to fill. Absolutely massive. And I think between the the timing and the content, the play came out in 2013 and he talked about being so entranced. It's actually this night was just like a little blurb and I think of something mm. from Muhammad Ali's uh, one of his autobiographies I think or uh, some a statement that he wrote and he talked about this night and he's like wait 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 what and so from this paragraph of the mentioning of this night Kent Powers wrote and he researched about this as much as he could you know I think Muhammad Ali was still alive at the time and couldn't really get a lot to to kind of weigh out some of these facts but for him to be able to create these characters this dialogue these relationships from not from scratch but from what we know is I think that says a lot about writing I I think he did a very good job I felt the same way about the character for Kinsley Ben Adar who Mm -hmm. played him did a magnificent job because this is Mm -hmm. Out of, I think, uh, I guess it probably does tie with Muhammad Ali of how often they are portrayed, mm-hmm. which is partially why I wanted to watch this movie because it did have characters that are n- not overly. They are very often portrayed in movies. There's been lots of biographies, lots of made-for-TV movies, lots of mainstream movies that have been made off of these particular two men. Yeah. And for me, the real standout, which is a little unfair because we all knew that who would I would most be interested in going into the movie was Leslie Odom Jr. Mm. His voice is so beautiful oh. and he was just so lovely in the movie. Mm. Well, I mean, the the relationship, the chemistry between the Malcolm X character and the Sam Cooke character is a testament to both of them as actors. They, it was explosive. They did such a good job with that. Mm-hmm. I think both of them together was something really enjoyable to watch. And I just loved, they talked about that they would just work out hypothetical scenarios in character off script and you can just completely tell there was just a moment where I bought the tension I I guess I don't want to get ahead of myself we talk about what's going on in the room we don't want to have any spoilers but at this moment in time Cassius Clay is super young I just forget how young he was so young such a baby (laughs) he was he was only 22 when he won his very first heavyweight championship that was unprecedented I just was like such a baby so so young and of course because no one thought he was going to win there was no formal celebration so at that time he's being mentored for him to go and to convert to Islam by the one and only Malcolm X now of course like I said they all had this relationship with Jim Brown and Sam Cooke and they're all hanging out but there's this underlining tension and something that Malcolm X kind of wants to talk about. Not only is he trying to shepherd in Cassius Clay to converting, but there's also this underlining um, historical movement for himself, for him and his family. And there's this very like 
Last Supper kind of feel mm. to it. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a very Last Supper kind of feel to it. And I think that that's kind of what drives the movie is this urgency and this call from the Malcolm X character to the rest of the men in the room. The movie actually opens with just kind of all the men individually to kind of see a little bit about where they are on their career paths and in their lives. And pretty early, I think it might be the fourth. It's the fourth of the the four characters. It's Jim Brown, and he goes to visit a man in in Georgia, and it's... I don't want to give too much away, but there's like an exchange that mm. happens that's put in there, I think, to be jarring. But I found it very interesting watching it with my husband because my husband was like, whoa, what? Like, he was like so shocked. And while I was like, yep, I've been waiting for that shoe to drop. Like, waiting. I have just been waiting. <laughs> waiting. It was like the setup was just like, yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. He is laying it on way too, yep. Oh, mm. Does anyone know how hard it is to do these <laughs> these reviews without? Watch it. The setup is, I, I completely agree. Uh, but I love that. I think they kind of show all of these men and how they're living within white society because they're all very successful this movie is not about up the on the come up yeah all of these men in their particular field are incredibly successful i guess malcolm x's success is not the right word they're 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 influential Mm. yeah yeah it is really interesting i will say about the malcolm x character is that when he is often portrayed, it's in lieu of the Black Panther movement. It's always in kind of opposition to Martin Luther King as well. You know, where mm-hmm. MLK, another reason why I wanted to watch this, MLK, he's done peacefully. He, Malcolm X is more militant. This is peace on one side with MLK and then there's by any means necessary. But within this one, I really loved the humanity of the Malcolm X character. I absolutely love that they have this vulnerability. They actually show him with his family as well within this movie. And so there there are these men that are living in this world, very successful, but only as successful as white people will allow them to be mm. within their world. And then coming together and kind of talking about what are we going to do about it. And it's just the themes of just being an influential Black person, the responsibility and the weight is so interesting and watching that play out with these real life characters, but in this fictional scenario was, I I related to it. I am not a man and I am not a famous person, but there were some questions within it. I was actually, I was reading about uh, Kemp Powers reflections, him writing this. And he was just, he was talking about him seeing the relationship and the tension between the Malcolm X character and the Sam Cooke character talking about that they, Malcolm X thinks that Sam Cooke could be doing more for the movement and Sam Cooke saying, I am doing it within my, my circle. And he's just talking about, these are questions that he asks himself all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a external explanation of an internal question. And I thought, especially right now as we're doing the work and we're saying what we should have learned in black history, the more I dive into it, I'm like, what am I still doing? How can I keep going? How can I keep moving? Am I doing enough? Am I doing exactly what I should? And it's just so interesting to watch this between two physical characters of like, no, I've actually had this internal dialogue quite, quite a lot in my life. Yeah, no, I I thought a lot of the dialogue was really insightful and it wasn't 
it wasn't didactic in the sense that it, there wasn't like a clear moral lesson or mm. to take from it or like it wasn't like someone is right but it was more just really shining light on two different ways to look at the same issue in a, a real authentic way i thought the writing was really really great as far as like a play it is not my preference of play style i don't mm. like kind of one room talking plays where things don't really happen, where it's like very, you know, up in your head, cerebral sort of just conversation and, and argument. With that said, I think that the movie itself was still very, very good and very powerful, even though there were those moments where I'm like, oh, this is just people talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> but But I think because of the content and because mm. of the complexity mm. of the debate that was happening, it was still very engaging. And it was like this lovely balance between an emotionally rooted debate and an intellectually rooted debate where it wasn't one person on either side. Like it wasn't an emotional person arguing with an intellectual. It was they were both rooted in their heads and their hearts <laughs> as mm -hmm. they were as they were debating and having this this beautiful intimacy of friendship as the frame in which they could hash out these issues, but also have actual love and care for each other but also this this sense of rivalry and resentment mm. <laughs> towards each other yeah really really interesting and really powerful i was gonna say play <laughs> very powerful <laughs> movie and i feel like i was just so engaged uh, the whole time mm. i think that lend the engagement you're talking about lends itself a lot to us already knowing these characters mm-hmm I think you're right about having those plays where it's just people talking on a stage. You're trying to pick out who they are with their dialogue and still keep up with the plot of it is. It's a lot of work. Like you said, it is very cerebral, but because you already know, I mean, it's so funny. These four characters, you can find any one of them, especially like in the seventies and eighties, a picture of these gentlemen in people's homes. Mm -hmm. you know next it's next to black jesus it's uh, but it, these were such important biblical imperfect there i'm gonna throw that out there none of these men were perfect but using them in in this way and playing on those relationships like i said i love that here i have this um what was this quote about the play powers actually talked about this play is simply about one night four friends and the many pivotal decisions that can happen a sing singular revelatory evening. And it's like, how many of us have had a moment, a really beautiful moment with a really good friend that we'll never know, like the repercussions of that and how that's really changed our life and course yeah. of that. And so I think as much as this is fiction, the outcome of what happened to each one of those men after that night was really revealing of the impact of that night. Mm. Yeah, and and I think you're right too with the the knowledge we have as viewers like going into it, we know 
that within a year, mm-hmm. half of them will be dead, mm-hmm. will be killed. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think that adds another layer of of it to to that night, to that night, knowing that you know, Sam Cook and Malcolm X will be gone within a year, and that both Jim Brown and then Muhammad Ali have so much ahead of them in their lives tumultuous yes. but so like exactly like we both you know it's it's us almost like how often do we get to be omnipotent in a show mm-hmm. that doesn't get to happen like we watch the show unfolding and watching like with everybody else you know only the writers and the actors really know so there is almost maybe that's why it's part of the engagement is that we do get to have this bird's eye view all knowing of the timeline and so it's getting to see like these little bubbles and gaps being filled in we're like well we know what happens here and we know what happens at point a point b and we got to kind of see that mystical in between place even if it is fictionalized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we we've talked a lot about about the content a little about the actors a lot about the writing let's talk about the director it's mm. it's it's regina king's debut directing feature right i think a full length i think she might have done some shorts do not quote me on that i'm not quite sure but i do not like regina king's been in the game like she is this is queen right here i mean how do you go from being like in friday in poetic justice in you know boys in the hood you know right she, and i know i haven't seen her yet but she's in watchmen she's like the lead role in watchmen correct Oh, I don't know anything about Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> so she she has that. She's been in the game for a long time and she has, you know, a, a assisted here. But it's just she does a phenomenal job directing. Mm. Yeah. And I think it is it is that challenge of just a very heavy talking heads piece um, mm-hmm. and being able to direct it like there, there's some boxing. There's some singing. Um, but those scenes are are just tiny <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in comparison to all all the dialogue. So as a director, finding a way to create action out of speech, I think is a big challenge, but I think she does it well. She does it really well. It's even funny. I was even remarking on like, oh, the lighting is really good because you have to light darker skin, especially mm-hmm. uh, the character who plays Malcolm X. He's the, the lightest one, which that's even brought up there. Everyone else is fairly darker skin. And I thought, oh, that's even great. And I think the cinematographer might even be of color. And it, which is one of those things that, like you can just tell the thought of what was going into this of being representative. It really matters there's this importance that's put onto that, I think, especially you know, as a woman of color. And it, it was just so exciting to see someone who has been in front of the camera, behind the camera, and just being recognized for her work and have her direct this great piece. It was, I was just so thrilled for her. Mm. And I think it's going to make, continue to make both Regina King and Kemp Powers an everyday name. Which actually, girl, you want to talk about things I didn't know? Did so? Kent Powers actually co-wrote uh, Soul. Yes, yes, Pixar? yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, I I don't want to diverge too much, but you've seen Soul, right? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it? I not. I can't I'm so cry. surprised. I know. I know because I know. I already know I'm going to be a mess. 
and I'm already a mess. It's <laughs> even my best friend who does not like watching those kind of movies saw it. And I'm like, I know I'm failing. I'm failing. But yes, I will. It's on the list. Soul's pretty good. I will say my my one critique of it is um, or my one desire to have made it better rather than Tina Fey. They should have cast Aquafina. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. All right. I well, will... oh, okay. No, I lied. I'm going to say one more thing in relation okay. to that. Because the moment, this is minor spoilers, the moment that the Tina Fey character goes into the other character's body, I was like, oh, no, it's get out. The white oh. people are in black bodies. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, she just plays a soul. She doesn't have a skin color, but you can tell that it's Tina Fey. So, okay. Well, now, now I'm concerned. I, I guess my, my thing is the same thing as where they have to, my issue that I've always had with people of color within these films is they have to transfix them into a non-human character in order for people to care about them. And I thought that that was not going to be the case, but the more I started looking into it, I'm like, oh no, they do it again. Uh, right, that's. I wouldn't say that that's the case in this movie. You think so? Um, no, because he starts as a human. It's not like he started as a soul, and and that's how. Like, I think because we first are exposed to him in his human form, that there is really not a removal of his race from his character. But okay, all right. Um, but I will say that I think <laughs> this is my problem with Tina Fey in that role is it's like. We couldn't have, like, a movie with just people of color. Like, there had mm -hmm. to be, like, a white person mm -hmm. in order to make it not a black movie or something. I don't know. But I'm like, what if we had made that a person of color, too? Like, it, and if we were wanting, like, the juxtaposition of a different a different race and to make it a woman and to have it be a comedian, like, Aquafina. I'm yeah. saying. They had a really the, a spoiled, spoiled up, a spoiled up. But the thing, the reason why I even bring it up, not just because he wrote it, he was the first black director of a Disney animated film. Yeah. And I mean, and he was co-director yeah. anyway. Like, yeah. I, I don't know who he directed with, but yeah. Like 20, 2020. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, anyway. It shouldn't blow my mind, and it shouldn't, but I think that's why, once again, we talk about representation matters, why we bring this up, why we want to feature people of color doing this, because I think we've said before in one of our past episodes, people of color are still being the first to do things. Mm. And that should blow your mind. And not because there haven't been, you know, Black female directors, there haven't been Black animators, not that there's not that, there's just still these these barriers these ceilings these gates that we have to get through and the work is good the work obviously shows for themselves that that these two are both incredibly talented it's just once again getting to that space only now people making that space for them to occupy and be able to show that yes you can have an animated film 
uh, with people of color and people care about it and be interested in. You can't have a movie where it's predominantly black male cast talking about some hard issues and people be the reception of this movie of one night in miami is actually quite good mm. mm-hmm. yeah i think all i've seen is is kind of positive reviews of it so I, there there is space people even if they don't know it they they might be ready i want more people to be ready for it mm. but i i am very optimistic person <laughs> And I think there is, and, and I guess this is minor spoilers, but I think there is a lot to be said about going back to Sam Cook again. But I think he, like his his search for his own identity, and it starts with like his early scene performing at the Copacabana. Oh man! And having to like pander to a white crowd and try to like still maintain who he was and people are walking out like i think that while it's like perhaps not so blatant and i think this is a conversation we have a lot like racism is still here and it's just in many ways not always (laughs) but oftentimes it's not as overt i was thinking about about like the movie and about about these things as he's doing it and just wondering like the cultural implications of having such a movie be so successful today but wondering if there are people who are very opposed to to such a movie Mm, I mean, it it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they might find it to be divisive. Like the, the very scene you talked about in the beginning with Jim Brown, with the gentleman in Georgia, like when people watch it, they'll have a better understanding that they might say that's unnecessary. It's divisive. You are promoting hate or the fact that we're putting Malcolm X in a place to where he's actually quite vulnerable and there's a lot of his humanity. Mm. I think some people find him to be, I thought that was, I mean, People find him to be very threatening. And Militant. I actually asked what. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there is one a part where he and at the, the time Cassius Clay are praying and having that display of, of Islam, I thought was even like, wow, this movie's going there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. to where it's been black Muslim men. Mm. Even having that, those snippets kind of be played out i thought was even like oh there's going to be some people who are not not okay with this so i yeah I, I think some people are ready some people aren't i think people are going to buck up against it specifically for the topic because i think when people bring up the civil rights one people want to put it in the past and two by continually talking about it like we're never going to get over it and it once again it's that same huge trope of it was a long time ago mm. and we're past that and i think these movies remind people we're not that far removed from it yes and while i think there is a lot thematically like tied up in the civil rights era i would say there are just larger lessons from the movie to be taken away and and we've kind of touched on this already but just to reiterate there is a central theme of communicating with somebody in a challenging dialogue. And even when you have similar ideologies or coming from a place where you desire the same outcomes, you can have really, really challenging conversations where you disagree and you should, and you should. And so Mm. I I think that 
this movie does an excellent job of portraying that and how that can look and what can happen as a result of it. Mm, it does have that that little hint of lenses. I've always thought the way that they kind of play with lenses and views, like Malcolm X's glasses and his camera work within it mm. to have this basically a snapshot into this conversation that Black people have within each other, where it's like levels of privilege within the Black community, colorism, things of that responsibility. It's, I'm hoping people will allow this to be a small window into what it's like even within the movement amongst ourselves because you'll never completely understand that's not a world that you occupy these are not conversations necessarily that you that you have to have but it would be nice for you to understand and to see and so i i love that i love the fact that you can have hard conversations like you said and still desire the same outcome and i think that's something that we have to go in without fear when we're talking about a, a movement and striving towards justice together is that we need to have those hard conversations with each other, but still remembering that we ultimately have the same goal and we do have to have unity. But in order to have that, we have to have those hard conversations. There was a a quote from the movie that I thought it was something I just kind of wanted to meditate on a little bit. And they're talking about power and they're talking about, is it money? Is it influence? Is it this? And the Cassius Clay character said, we want a world where we're safe to be ourselves, Mm, to think like we want without having to answer to anybody for it. We have to be there for each other. Mm -hmm. And I thought when people think what we're trying to go for here is like, well, you know, why do you want me to see race? That's not, that's not unity. That's not, if you want us to all be the same. I'm like, I honestly, I just want a world where I'm safe to be myself. Mm. Like that, when I think about what, why I'm personally doing this work and going towards that, it's, I just want a world where I can be unapologetically and safely be myself. Mm. Yeah. That goes back to fundamental human rights, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they did such a good job of just playing that out there and the complexities of how to do that. Yeah. So overall, sounds like we both recommend this movie. Yes. In, in short, you know, <laughs> in short, it's good. And I, to me, I think it's one of those things that won't wreck you. Like American Sun destroyed me. It was one of those things yes. of watching and then practice self-care afterward. This one was just so good. I was just really excited to talk to you about it. I was just pumped. Yes. I mean, it was moving, but it wasn't destroying. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrecked. So it was like, we, we suggested it, but with like caution. And this one, I'm like, no, no, watch. You need to watch this. Yes, agreed. Why did we choose this film for Black History Month? I, I think, one, it's really great to see these characters, uh, specifically Muhammad Ali, and or sorry, Cassius Clay in the film and Malcolm X be portrayed in a different way through the voices of people of color, through the writer, through the director in a time period, something that's really well done. And I think it also at the heart of it makes us ask the question of what what is our responsibility and the influence to improve the movement? How can you use your own circle of influence? And also how what does unity look like within within even like a minority group and things of that nature. I, I think they have some, a lot of themes that I think can really coincide with, with black history. Mm. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I know we talked a lot about how 
Black History Month tends to be the same figures over and over again. And yes, Malcolm X is definitely one of those figures, not to the extent of MLK, but definitely up there. And I think Muhammad Ali is up there. And while Jim Brown and Sam Cooke are very famous people, I don't think they are people who are talked about um, to the same extent. So I think when trying to understand a little bit more even about that particular era through the current day, they're all good people to study and learn about. And I would agree with your other comments about like seeing it through the lens of people of color today. And I'm not sure I didn't look into how much of the rest of the crew and the production team um, were people of color, but I think... I think it's it's very clear that it was the voice of and through the lens of um, people of color. So good movie. Good movie yeah. for Black History Month, especially if you are like still holding on to that idea of Black History Month and wanting to do work that's related to Black histories at this time. Yeah. Start there solid any final thoughts on the film oh watch it enjoy it and i will say i'll give a little i will probably want to talk to you about this off air because i i'll give a little nugget for people to you know a little homework of asking the question of of a activist versus an artist Mm. what what does that have to do because i think i love that all of these men have these different circles of influence and where they kind of collide inside and and how and what does that look like? Do do we have to pick a side of activists versus artists? I thought that was a really interesting theme going on there. But anyway, that was me giving homework. <laughs> <laughs> something to chat about, something else to discuss along with our other discussion question. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting topic. But I have I have a lot of thoughts, but I think we should we should move on and um mm-hmm perhaps get mad oh it feels so good i just it, but we should we should it's good it's good to have balance <laughs> let's get mad all right Damika, you got mad this week i got i got super mad that's so tell bad. me tell me your feelings tell me tell me what's going on uh, sorry I said to do <laughs> you're just so so a school and, and the thing is this is this is not gonna be surprising I'm this is story is making its its rounds but I just want to put in my angry two cents a school in Utah <laughs> of course it's Utah I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying not to be like, of course, Utah. I'll say it. I don't it, care. Of course, it's there we, Utah. There we, <laughs> it's like Florida, man. It's like, of course, Florida. So it's going to be like Utah. Man, come on, man. So in, in Utah, a Montessori school of all places apparently sent out slips for children to opt out of Black History Month curriculum. Mm. And the worst part is, I think this was actually parent-driven. My understanding, it was a little bit yes. unclear in the article. Mm-hmm. Agree. But I, I did a little bit more digging. And in particular, 
through <laughs> the head of schools or the board of directors, president, I'm not sure, but he released a uh-huh. statement on Facebook, of course, on Facebook, mm. where he said <laughs> that some parents had expressed concerns about the Black History Month curriculum. And I guess this opting out was in response to those concerns and that families were allowed to exercise their civil rights to not participate in Black History Month at school. See, this is why if you didn't listen to our episode before about what we should have learned about Black history or the dangers or our feelings about it, this is one of the fears. This is one of my concerns, is that they're thinking that Black History Month is something you can opt out of. When you start separating history and segregating history, it's something that you think you can just skip over. When it's not an integral part of just history in itself and once again it's kind of like what i was talking about with the movie i think a lot of people think this topic is too too much for children it's too harsh for children it's divisive it, it, it it's all of these things i don't know the parents motivation i don't i don't want to assume but what i'm saying is that there has been a pattern of people when we talk about black history and the fact that they thought that this was against their civil rights to actually learn about actual history speaks so speaks volumes about where our country Mm. is it's also crazy that it was a montessori school um, because it seems so not in line with montessori principles and it was i think for me perhaps most disturbing because it was in a town city town i'm gonna call it a town because it's like twenty thousand people yeah that's a town 94 percent of this town is white (sighs) of the 322 students at this school there are only three black students so i'm like this is already like this insulated community Mm -hmm. right and then to say Oh, it's our civil rights to pretend that everything is insulated. <laughs> it's I just I don't the motivation behind it, especially either one or two things. Either one, the school has not done Black History Month before. You know, but that that has not been a, a thing that they've really, really done. Maybe some coloring sheets. And this is the first year they're actually putting the curriculum and and parents are like, oh, say what? Or they are changing it in light of what's been going on in the world and actually trying to integrate it or making it a little bit more extensive. And the parents were like, nah. So I'm just, to me, I'm just so, I'm hoping as more things uh, come up, because I read the latest update from yesterday. So I need to read, uh, that was just, it's going to be Tuesday, February 9th. And so by the time this comes out, I'm sure there's going to be more, at least I hope to the story, because I really want to understand the mindset of why. I mean, it's the same people who want to opt out of like sex education that I don't understand. There is a little difference there, obviously. But to me, it's just like the wanting to take your child out of that environment for their betterment and understanding of the the world itself. Mm. I mean, I don't think there is going to be an update, honestly, Demika. I mean, the update is that they then rescinded that 
opting out, none of the families are opting out. And I think that's going to be it. Like, I don't think there's going to be any further (laughs) resolution on Uh, it. You're right. And I I find it very interesting, too, that the head of school, I keep assuming he's head of school, but maybe he's just on the board. But the person who has released the statement, he is of Japanese descent and he says in his statement that he found the whole premise deeply disturbing. But I'm like, well, then why did it happen if you found it deeply disturbing? I don't understand. What what I find deeply disturbing, boo-boo, is that this happened. It it makes it sound like you were not aware that this was happening. And I would like to hopefully think that in a Montessori school, especially, that you were very much aware of this. So there's a lot of things that are not adding up here. Explain it. I mean, to and me. we're not talking a giant school. It's 322 no. kids, elementary to junior high. These classes are small. Tiny. <sighs> mm. Whew, I'm just, I'm just the audacity. <laughs> it's just, uh, it makes me so upset that when I talk about that, we have to keep fighting for our space and there's so much danger in compartmentalizing history like that and it's just like here 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 it is here's this is what i'm afraid of we still have to try to keep proving that these things are problematic and this is just raising my blood pressure yeah i don't (sighs) it's yeah i don't know i just i have a lot of experience with montessori schools fair bit and i i am just i'm a little shook (laughs) about it because i it's like against so many core tenets of montessori education as i understand it like yes it should be self-directed and students should like choose what they're working on but i don't think as we've said before you cannot learn american history without Uh, learning black history (laughs) so yep (sighs) (sighs) yep Just, just mad. And you're right. There's never, there's not going to be any look into what was the motivating factor for wanting to opt out of it. And and I want those answers, but I have to be okay with them not being there. So yeah. Yep. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Please, can we get happy now? Yes. Let's get happy. What's making you happy this week? Uh, something really specific. Which <laughs> I is, love a super specific happy place. I love that. So I've been, I, I've always loved music and, and rap and poetry. And it's something that was a very integral part of my life that, you know, because of time restraints, not always been able to. But something that's always been near and dear to my heart has been freestyling. And it's not something I talk about a lot, but it's something I like improvising and freestyling to music or poetics is something that's really super fun and great. And it's a beautiful art form that I love. With that... Are you going to freestyle right now? (laughs) With that, I've got some sweet beats that I love. (laughs) I get to see like on our algorithms of just like this... (laughs) The subscription just levels zero. <laughs> just like crap. <laughs> what happened there? 
there. I'm like, well, I freestyled. Um, <laughs> it was just too hot. It was too it was hot. Just spicy. People weren't ready. It's just, no, that was spin fire. And they weren't ready for it. kids are going to love it. I love it. I love it. But the thing, so we're we're sitting at the dinner table, and the my husband got me flowers forever ago, and some petals start falling, and we're listening to lo-fi in the background, and I just start freestyling it like at the dinner table. We're just we're already done, and we're just having, we're just spending some quality time together. Then my daughter starts taking over, and she starts freestyling about the flower, and it has been my happy place for it has sustained me. I don't even know why you're bringing this up without actually sharing. <laughs> I have, do, I have, you have it? I will send okay, you good. some. I have some. We had to do it because <laughs> we don't want to embarrass her. So we like have it recorded off to the side. So we have her talking about uh, flowers and then she has that. And then the next one she was, t- we, I don't even, she started talking about black mold <laughs> and how you don't want you that. You don't. It's true. You, <laughs> how you don't want that. How you gonna, how you gonna want that. It's so good and now it's like whenever there's like lo-fi on she'll be like even in her room and i can hear just like been like and you gotta be nice <laughs> to your friends just be nice because you gotta that's how you make your friends you listen to twice and she's just like getting it and she's I just love like it. it's so good that it's so good bath time she's playing with her toy she's like and you gotta take turns that's how you make this all right. We got to stand up for your rights. And she was just like, get it. And I was just like, it is. I love it. I don't know if I've done something right as a parent or wrong. I don't know. But to me, it's like, because there's also like, like poetics that she'll write like poem, but she'll want music behind it as she talks about the poem. Mm. It has just brought me so much joy of just like the creativity. And like I so said, we're, we're a musical family, but there's, there's some things you can teach to a kid, as you know, like, but there's other things you can't like just the anticipate, like um, participating and anticipate, anticipating different rhythms and cadences and manipulating that there's some things you just can't teach. And it's good that she just gets it. And when you see someone who just gets music or an art form, it is so exciting. And then to be like her mom on top of it. Oh, happy 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 place so that's my very specific i'm sorry that no one can duplicate it happy i know i mean you're gonna send it to me so (laughs) i'm gonna send it to you (laughs) so so, sorry guys sorry this this is a very very i'm I'm like closing the gate sorry y'all but just know that it happened and if you haven't seen a nearly seven-year-old freestyle then you are missing out open those doors for the children in your lives. Yes. Do it. Just put it on and see what happens. Just just give them the mic. Gas them up. Get them. <laughs> yes. What, what is making you happy? Well, I am in the midst of a very, very busy time. Mm. I am like, you know, 10 plus hours on the computer every day working like 60 hours a week it's it's a lot it's a lot and I I alternate between things that like really give me life and like that I'm very excited to be working on and things that I am not (laughs) very excited to be working Uh. on and are incredibly exhausting I was on a like on a meeting last week um with a bunch of people and someone in the meeting was like i have 31 meetings scheduled this week 
was just like, and I was like, I'm over here dying with my 14 scheduled meetings. So like, I I think I am not alone in this world of feeling uh, Mm -hmm. very spread thin and exhausted. But what I, I kind of made a resolution, I suppose, for the year Mm. is hard stop on Saturday. And it has been lovely to not Mm. do work one day a week. So I've, I've been pretty good about it with the exception of a couple of things that were already scheduled before I decided to do this. Just doing the things that I want that are not in front of a computer. So like reading my Japanese book and studying or watching a movie or hanging out with my husband and going for a hike. So it's been, yeah, so it's, it's been really, really nice. And I'm like, I think a lot about how in this world, people are like, now we like the boundaries are dropping and we're acknowledging people Mm -hmm. as these full people. And I'm like, I don't know if that's really what's happening. I think instead Mm. I want to draw some (laughs) strong boundaries and kind of retake my life outside of work as my own. So that is my my happy place. And that is, unlike D'Amica's happy place, which is very specific, mine I think is very open and very broad. And I yes. think everyone should do it. I think everyone should draw some firm boundaries and start to mm. retake some time for yourself. Because I'm even discovering with just my hard stop on Saturdays that it's probably not enough. Like I probably need more time. Um, I agree because you're just recovering. Mm-hmm. You know, you were like you're probably spending half of that day like, like you know, just stretching your body and realigning yourself and recouping. So you need like a recoup day and then a mm-hmm. fill day. Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> I'm speaking from goals. But I think you're right. I don't know where people are getting off seeing people as a whole person. I'm not feeling that. I I feel how you are. I think the lines between are are being blurred of what we can ask for people because they are at home. I was just talking to a friend of mine who's in England. She's talking about she has this tiny one bedroom apartment and she works from it. And she's like, I literally go from my desk to my couch and my work computer is just there. How do I turn it off? How do I step away from that? How I'm not on call. And I was like, girl, you throw a blanket over that and you literally shut down shop. Like you have to be like, physically have to do something like, like you're right, like turn it off. You have to have those firm, firm boundaries. I think there is this need. Well, since I'm at home, you know, I feel like I should do more because I'm in home. I'm like, no fam. Yeah. (laughs) That, that, no, no, no. You have to be even more firm. I'm so, so proud of you. Yeah. And it's hard. Like, I, I mean, even in the best of times, I'm, I'm a workaholic and I'm, I'm a project oriented person. (laughs) So I, I, I sympathize with anyone who is, is struggling with it, but I think it's very important. Just turn off your, your social medias, turn off your computer, get an old school radio they make them. I just turn on some music and freestyle yes. about how you're going to set boundaries. Yes. Oh, please send set us all of, your, all of your boundary <laughs> freestyles. Yes. Yes. Oh, if someone actually does it, I will make you cookies and send them. <laughs> Let me put preface on that in case everyone top the first five people to do that. 
I will bake cookies for and I will send them uh, to you. I make really bomb cookies. Uh, just thinking about and and I'm just assuming that I get cookies regardless. Just thinking about yeah. <laughs> eating cookies made by the lovely Damika while I'm listening to some lovely unicorns freestyle about boundaries is my new happy place. <laughs> I, we're taking happy places to the next level in 2021. It's 2021, y'all. We're doing very specific hyphy yes, boundaries. And I feel like we can't top that. So on that note, we got to wrap up. We got to We got to yeah, end here. We totally got to do. Oh, it's been a good time. It's been a good time. Had yes, by all you can send those freestyles to us via email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You could also put them on social media and tag us or send <gasps> yes. them our way. We are on Instagram at biracialunicorns and on Facebook at biracialunicorns and on Twitter at biracialmagic. We want to give a huge shout out to the wonderful Dolly Pop Art, who's done our very iconic unicorn photo. Please go check out her shop for all kinds of goodies and stickers. We want to thank the amazing Joseph Scott for our beginning and outro music. And also, if you're needing more material for those boundaries or even social justice freestyles, go back, listen to some of our episodes and go ahead. And while you're there, give us a little review. Give us a pretty good rating. The girls need it. That will be our new happy place after that. I can't think of anything happier than that and also please don't forget to give us your feedback through getting a hold of us of what you think of our february toolkit we want to hear about what you're discussing what you think about the movie oh we definitely want to hear what you thought about the movie uh what you thought about our reading and how you're taking action today don't forget to add us with your black artists who are you are supporting or even like a local store a business just add us and support them and let us know so we can amplify yes them. yes you can also leave us a voicemail if you prefer communicating that way 505-585-1808 all the things yes all right we will be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode yes yes y'all all right peace out